Hello everybody and welcome to episode 30 of Competitive Magic with the Carnies. I'm your host from Italy, Andrea Mengucci, and joining me we have as always Javier Dominguez from Spain. Hello everyone. And Anthony Lee from Australia. Hola. Although it's not just the three of us today, we have a special guest. It's all the way from Colombia. We have Carcerap aka Terribed. Hey, how are you? Uh, welcome, welcome, Carl. It's a pleasure to see you here. Actually, I don't actually see you, but you know the the way this podcast works. It's kind of like we're seeing each other. And uh, actually, I will see you soon in Minneapolis. I have uh, played, uh, I would say, five or six times against you on Magic Online these days, and uh, it's a pleasure to hear your voice now. Yeah, I remember the last time we played. I I asked you to put uh, Sue back on the tier list, so. Yeah, we actually played for stakes. Uh, we were in the one-two bracket of an MTGO preliminary, and uh, Carl challenged me. He said, "If I beat you, you will put Zoo in the top fifteen modern decks in the next power ranking." And uh, and he defeated me, so so I guess I'll have to pay my price and, and put Zoo back in the tier list this this month. Top fifteen. All right. It's top fifteen. Much. Yeah, one five. <laughs> yeah. Was it really top fifteen? Like for, for no, me. I removed it last month. Why? Okay, <laughs> justice. Justice. <laughs> All right, Carl. The reason why you're here is because you are a good friend of Anthony and Javier. You are uh, their teammates for how long? How long have you been testing uh, with each other? So with Anthony and Javier, we have tested for two tournaments now, right? Or is it one? I, I actually... It's two, I think. Worlds and then this, yes, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You helped us for worse yeah. because you also tested for the for the set championship that I was not qualified for. At least, uh, oh yeah, Javier did. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But yeah, you were just there, but we didn't talk much. So you mentioned the world championship uh, that is the most recent one, and uh, uh, how did you do in that world championship? <laughs> tell tell the listeners about your previous achievement and in, uh, in the magic. You know the. Magic days that you played. The tournament was great. I mean, I got fourth place. Nathan got first place. Like, even though we didn't team together, it still felt like, like part of our team. You know, we split in two because it was too many people for this small field tournament. But yeah, I mean, I'm extremely happy. I didn't really expect to top four that tournament. But it's a good problem you to have. Had a <laughs> When the team is so big, you have to split up because you're too much of the food. Yeah, I mean, you keep choking that they're team 50% because we just make up 50% of the top eight all the time. <laughs> that's, that's very good, yeah. Definitely dominated the arena days of uh, of uh, Pro Magic and uh, also the paper days of Pro Magic as you uh, your team did very well in the most recent Pro Tour. How, how did you do in that, in that Pro Tour? In that Pro Tour, myself, time? personally, I went one and five. And... Um, I mean, Nathan's top aided again, and Tangram's got ninth on breakers. I think overall we, we did like good, but I I didn't really think that we did great in that tournament. Like it's kind of weird if I if I think back like the pro tours I used to play before, you know, I know four or five years ago. Then if like one of my teammates would top aid, I, I would think it's the greatest tournament ever. And now it's like it it really feels like somebody's going to top aid like every tournament. And yeah, I don't. I don't know how long this eight, is. You're like only one. <laughs> yeah, it's like only one in top eight. Well, okay, I guess this was an average <laughs> tournament. You know. That's why they got us, Anthony. So we bring down the average. 
you know, like oh, the, they have clever, us. So we, we're there, you know, adding to the non-topators slots. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, you also did very well uh, uh, this past weekend as you qualified to the mocks, the very prestigious eight people event uh, where there's one winner from almost every format. And you got the job done in Pioneer with... Uh, Abs and Greasefang, uh, tell us a little bit more about uh, you know your uh, your success, your deck choice, and uh, you know why you picked up uh, Greasefang. Um, first of all, I I think like top eighting or like winning this tournament, top eighting the mox for me this is bigger achievement than top eighting a brother. Like, I, I'm <laughs> so excited about this because this is like I mean in terms of the prize money, it's basically the same as the brother. It's slightly less, but whatever. But I get to draft Vintage Cube for like twenty thousand dollars. <laughs> It's like like my biggest dream in life, just to draft Vintage Cube for for such stakes. And why I played Kreisfang is I I mean I tested for this tournament a little bit. I mean most of the testing was done for the brother, and I, I mean I, I I had regrets not playing the Kreisfang tech at the at the brother after I did bad. I played mono green there, and I mean I I just thought that it would be the best best deck really. Like people still don't have enough graveyard hate or. Or hate cards against against Greasefang in their in their deck, so I think it's very well positioned right now. Yeah, I'm definitely jealous of you playing uh, Vintage Cube uh, for stakes. It is definitely a great. I mean, I I tried uh, to qualify, but of course it's so so hard. You first have to uh, top eight a showcase uh, challenge or uh, five bow and all CQ, and then you have to win this this tournament. Going like what seven one maybe even. Um, so yeah, certainly a great achievement against against some of the best players on Magic Online. Uh, but so yeah, you played uh, Grease Fang, and once again, we've been mentioning on the podcast about just Grease Fang's success. And yeah, I mean, this deck is definitely. I guess it was unrepresented before because there's no really new card from the latest set in this list. Yes, I I didn't really like the old Grease Fang list either. But but Dangrams or David Inglis, he he found the vessel. And and like the vessel combination with Traverse makes the deck so much more consistent. Like it, it's themed like as a lock deck, but I don't really think it's a lock deck anymore because you just have your pieces all the time. So it's more about like how do you sequence them and how do you use them rather than are you going to find the grease thing? Oh, the lock mm, deck yeah, thing is no. definitely more about vibes than actual facts. So we're very clear. Um, yeah, the, the ultimate yeah. the ultimate thing that they didn't see if the deck is like or not is Mangus' feelings on it. <laughs> yeah, he, that, his that's feelings how we don't do care here. about your facts. Yeah. Yeah, so. even if the deck is hard or whatever, you know, if it's a lock, Hammer is also a lock deck, even though, you know, it's very hard to play, whatever. I think they're similar in that regard. They're just both lock decks that happen to be very, very hard to sequence. <laughs> yeah, I would say that this most recent list cutting the uh, one one that mills three cards, uh, what's in it? Stitcher Supplier? And adding vessel and traverse definitely gave the deck more consistency than just hoping to mill your, uh, you know, Parhelion in the top uh, ten cards or whatever of your deck. But um, I would say that the deck list definitely tuned uh, since we played it. Since I played in the uh, the event in in Sofia and in November the RC. So I like, yeah, it'll be it'll be challenging to to test again for the next uh, regional championship in in June. As we'll definitely have to respect Rizfeng way more than we did in uh, the last time. But yeah, so the mocks, uh, what format is it? Vintage Cube and... Uh, they haven't Jets. announced the second format yet. So we don't know. Ooh. Oh. Would you rather it be modern or... Pioneer? Ideally it would be vintage, but 
Uh, <laughs> 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 I mean, I, I don't really have a preference between Pioneer and Modern. They're kind of similar to me. I, and you assume it one think of about it. I, I, I guess like I like Modern more because the games are faster, so I can test like more. That's like the one thing I like about Modern the most. Am I, am I misremembering, or did you already qualify for a mox, uh, like the the very last Yeah, mox? I played the last one as well. I won, I won the limited qualifier. Nice. Jeez. Congrats. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. How did you place in that one? I I lost two winnings for the top two. I went 2-1, two, 2-1. One, two, one. Oh, oh, wow. That's... Redemption, then. Yeah, but we tested yeah, so much. Rough. Like I, I played like 40 matches of modern, and like I literally did 100 vintage cubes. So we feel, I feel like you were going to do 100 vintage cubes whether you were qualified or not. So, you know, <laughs> uh, maybe yeah, not that much, but yeah, I, I would have would have played like maybe 50 cubes or something. But I just we, we just champed cubes every day, all day. Like, you know, we have a, a competitive Discord where we just play uh, for push-ups uh, against each other, and you know, it's kind of cool. Yeah. So. Uh, do you love the vintage cube the most among all the cubes that you tried? Because if I'm not misremembering, that was modern cube, right? No, it was it was vintage cube in the last one. The, the one before was uh, modern cube, I think. And yeah. I mean, I I love vintage cube. I I don't really play any other cubes. Like I've tried modern cube and legacy cube, but for me, this they're, they're like you know, it's like comparing pauper to vintage. Like in one format, you can cast black lots and ancestry. In another format, you're just grinding you know with boring cards yeah playing with powerful cards is is amazing i i, I can get behind that but have you ever played a uh, vintage cube in paper no never i mean <laughs> no <laughs> none of my friends uh, really have that kind of cards maybe yeah. uh maybe there's an opportunity in uh in minneapolis you know yeah why not I, I won't be bringing my cube, but you're always welcome uh, in Senegalia to play Vintage Cube if you show up somehow. I'm sure there'll be someone with a Vintage Cube at, at MagicCon, I'm sure of it. Just have to find it somewhere. It'll happen. Yeah, the, um, but again, uh, congratulations on, uh, on, on the success. Uh, speaking of Pioneer, um, to the listeners that haven't met, haven't checked the uh, previous episode that we released on uh, the podcast and on my YouTube channel, uh, Javier, our very own um, Javier from Dominguez, here we have it. Uh, he uh, released an episode, a solo episode, uh, audio guide about Pioneer Rakdos of about 50 minutes. Make sure to listen it because it's definitely worth your time. I just listened at the beginning. I will definitely go for a walk in these days and and manage to find a, to listen to the whole episode. I I look forward to hear the differences because uh, Rakdos Midrange is a deck that has a lot of different builds. For example, Javier List is different than uh, you know Shoti Yazoka, and I look forward to hear the reasons why you know two very strong players would come uh, so different in choices. Yeah, I also have uh, the yeah. Javier. Uh podcast about his tech on my on my like waiting list of things I want to listen to I haven't had time yet yeah he, he definitely goes uh, fairly in depth uh, with that um, and I think that's something that we were interested um, to see if people uh, found particularly enjoyable or useful I suppose we hope it's useful um, but your feedback would be uh, greatly appreciated um, 
in that regard. Like the, in, in particular, not only about the content but the the audio format. Um, so specifically, you know, the idea of, of like, do do you find, for example, that it's better when that information is conveyed to you in a written form or in uh, in this kind of uh, hour-long audio recording. So um, yeah, maybe Javier has something to say about uh, the deck guide itself. Yeah, I mean, it was more of an experiment. Like, I didn't know if people will prefer like these or be like, you know, uh, we'd rather have an article or something. But I mean, I'm glad. It, it seems that it was liked so far. So, we, I mean, we'll discuss a little bit, but maybe that's a, you know, decent format to have content, you know, for, especially for these people that are not like, you know, really into articles or whatever. It's just like, you know, yeah. so it's just like, you know, when a friend comes to you and say like, you know, can you help with me? Uh, can you help me about this deck? You know, tell me how, how you approach your plans or whatever. So it's basically the same, but you're doing it for all your friends at the same time. So that's oh, okay. also... So next time I ask you for help, you're just going to send me a YouTube link. I get it. That's fine. Exactly. exactly. Or right. maybe I do, I do another another podcast. Yeah. So I send it to you so you can just listen to it. Yeah. Very helpful. Do you remember, Javier, when you asked me info about a vintage deck that I played and I just sent you like, I don't know, 10 minutes vocal message on WhatsApp or something? Um, I do remember. And I actually, that was uh, somewhat the inspiration for this podcast, to be fair. <laughs> so I do remember. Yeah. And that was very useful. Like, yeah, this happened once. Like, Mango just, Mango just like broke down like this whole deck in like 10 minutes or whatever and I was like wow this was good you know and yeah I mean I wanted it to be a little bit shorter ideally I was expecting like 40 minutes or whatever but I guess I just talked too much but yeah I think this format is good also easy to replay again and again you know like if you need to you know you going driving to your tournament you can just listen to it on your way to the tournament that's pretty good and the way uh, Javier, uh, you know, posted, it was open for everyone. Sometimes when people release this like premium content, it's behind uh, uh, a paywall. But the way Javier wanted to disclose it was exactly as it was. So it was free for everyone. And if you'd like to support, you can go directly on patreon.com slash carnies. We had a lot of new Patreons, so it's time to thank them all. It was Dan Kotze, Tyler, Mario, Kyle, Giliak, Nib, Juris, Avind and Jacob and you all uh, subscribed uh, uh, to the Patreon last week I would say mostly because of the um, the help that Javier gave you with the Pioneer article uh, I guess that guide and then you joined the Discord there was a lot of uh, discussion where you know these people managed to um, ask questions Javier responded so it was definitely nice uh, it was very good to see uh, the whole thing uh, unfold and again I'm ever excited to, to listen to the to the podcast as I have to um uh, Play some Pioneer again soon because of the next RC. Yeah, thanks everyone. I'm also sorry if Mango butchered your name, as usual. <laughs> he probably did. <laughs> I mean, yeah, names are hard, you know. <laughs> we appreciate yeah, that. But... Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, let's talk about uh, a little bit about the, 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 the showcase qualifier that Carl won. The finalist, so Carl won with Grease Fang, again, a uh, list that is pretty stocked at this point ever since David Inglis uh, did well in the PT. But the second place, that list, is still, I mean, it's doing results after result, but it's still kind of a brew. And it is the Neoform deck that plays eight uh, Delve Creature, Hooting Mandrels and Tazigur, and Neoforms into Atraxa. And I guess at this point, this is no more a brew. It's just a solid deck that is keep on performing at the highest stage of uh, Magic Online. That uh, deck is really interesting. Like, it, there was actually two copies in the top eight. 
So that really threw me. Yeah, when you said there were two Neoform decks in the top eight, I was like, really? That felt like that almost came out of nowhere. Like, not exactly, but um, I, de I definitely wouldn't have guessed that multiple people played Neoform and then did well with it. So, I have. Um, there were actually like four players playing the deck in the tournament. Yeah, although it's interesting because two of them had Soul Flare and they didn't win a match, and then the other two <laughs> top eighted. So, um, if I recall yeah, correctly, something like exactly, that. Exactly, anyway. but it's still it's probably like the most among the most played decks in the tournament, right? Like, uh, I, 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 don't, so. I don't have the full I don't have the full breakdown in front of me right now, but it must be among the most played decks, and that's if you think about it, it's it's crazy, <laughs> you know, out of nowhere, it's just, just grease fang. I mean, sorry, like Neoform, like bang for copies. <laughs> I don't know. That's true. Yeah, that does happen more at these uh, showcase events where it's like a small an elite field. I guess it's more likely that you see that where people have wider uh, ranges. I guess. Yeah, but it also it's also like the, their deck list. I mean, they were, they were kind of similar on the shell, but the cyborgs were like vastly different like one has like kaito glisa whatever and the other one is like a lot of uh you know reinfibulins so they probably didn't work together otherwise they will have not such like differences i think or at least like not that much so there's just like four different players just came to the conclusion that neoform was the best deck for the tournament that's uh you know that means they tried it and they liked it a lot and this is a deck that traditional has been pretty bad like neoform decks so that makes me think maybe this deck is actually pretty strong. Um, you know, my observation of the deck is that it can go over the top of the decks, but I am still unsure if it can actually beat Graveyard Hate. Like, I don't think many people played like Leyland of the Void in this tournament, and if if people play Leyland of the Void, maybe the deck just crumbles. And uh, but yeah, it was really interesting to see that it had like. A 50-50 win rate in the tournament. For me, one one like when I was doing scouting for the tournament, I wrote down you know what I would expect everybody to play. And the biggest surprise for me was that nobody played Lotus Field in the tournament. Although I yeah, thought wow. that <laughs> it would be like a a great meta game for Lotus Field right now. Yeah, I mean Lotus also one of these decks that your cyber slots are not super taxed, right? So you can just play good. Uh good like cyber hate for these decks for Grisfang for Neoform and, and you like the idea of Lotus right like you would have played Lotus if you had more time I assume or, yeah like, you know, you I, I, like yeah. the Lotus field deck like for me it's like maybe not now I think Grisfang is the best deck but before the tournament I thought Lotus field is the best deck in the format and but it's like so difficult to play like I don't know like when I watched Nathan play Lotus field it's just something different, you know, like, it's like watching yeah. <laughs> a Yu-Gi-Oh cartoon, you know, his uh, eyes are shining and <laughs> he's just finding lines that, like, I would think, like, okay, in this spot, looks like a pretty good spot, you know, you can win next turn, and then he would just starts casting his spells and min wins on that same turn, and I'm like, what is happening, you know, this is not possible. <laughs> Man. Yeah, so it's really, I mean, maybe other people had the same sort of sensation where they were concerned about their ability to play Lotus, and then nobody showed up with it, which was pretty what but i think that might also be part of new forms of success because i can imagine that's a deck that just doesn't care at all about an atraxa in play so you know maybe that helped i guess like i assume most pioneer events won't have literally zero lotus players in them yeah um, in so interesting guess, yeah interesting also there were three blue white control decks in top eight which was a big rise <laughs> for blue white yeah, yeah why is that like yeah. why is blue white sound i mean i don't know blue white is always there even though 
it looks like bad or whatever, but why? At least this time they all had like this, uh, like this Jorian build. I remember once where they had like two different challenges with one Blue White of each style, like in a top it, but yeah. Blue White maybe the deck that did better, right, in the tournament compared to the field, most likely. Mm. Either Blue White or, or Greasefang, because there was two Greasefang in Doppet. I, I actually don't know how many Greasefang were played overall. Maybe it was like four yeah, four I mean, as well or yeah. It's two in top 16 at least. I don't know the rest, but yeah. Yeah, there weren't yeah, that many when you were in the, in the scouting thing, right? Like there were... Maybe you expected like four, maybe? Yeah, something like It didn't seem like it was yeah, like overwhelmingly but popular. It's still strange because you look at Greasefang and you're like, well, this is a combo deck that's, you know, has interaction and can, turn, can turn three combo or whatever, you know, like you can see why it's good. But then you see this Jorian blue-white and you're like, yeah, I mean, this plays like four Omen of the Sea, you know, that, that's... <laughs> I, yeah, it just has horrible cards compared to everything. I just don't get it. I mean, yeah. the, honestly, I just don't get it. Like the metagame positioning is excellent, that, that is true. But other than that, it's it's kind of strange to me. One of them played the the, the Leyline Binding build, which honestly feels a little bit more appealing to me because it's probably going to be more resilient against you know stuff like Black Red or the such that are supposed to be like not good matchups because Binding is very a very good card against those decks. But I don't know, like. Every time many, I, I pick up this X, I just lose a lot. How many of the blue-white players who play blue-white just only play blue-white? I feel like that might be more true for blue-white than other decks. Like, they just know how to play blue-white and just spam it every single event. I mean, you can you can, you can can see this, but it's, it's very... You know, I, I think when it comes to these tournaments, these Mox tournaments, it's not as clear as it is in other events. Uh, That's true, yeah, like or whatever, yeah. Yeah. It's a distinct difference. Also, yeah, exactly. The Leyline Binding player, shout out to them. It's uh, Derek Davis. They got fourth place in the Broder in Philadelphia. Oh, with Incarnation, mm. right? Yes, and I was also very ah, surprised they switched off Incarnation for this tournament because I was yeah. expecting. Well, well, Incarnation of Black Control. Binding. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're family. You know, they 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 are. I mean, I can see a player bring, jumping from Incarnation to Black Control. That that those two decks are kind of same spirit, animal spirit. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> they're the same kind of deck in a way. You know, they're just having. So they play both Yori and Skyno. Yeah, literally. Yeah, Jorion and big cards. You know, like good cardish. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why, but if I was going to group uh, pioneer decks in pairs, these two decks will go together for sure. Yeah, I would say that Incarnation definitely struggles against the oldest combo decks that are in this top eight, like. And maybe control decks with uh, three Dovin's Veto and four Absorb has a better time. Yeah, maybe they, they expected this a fall of, of metagame of combo decks and they just played this deck. I mean, if I see this top eight, I think actually Blue White, this may be the best deck to play in this top 16 or something. So, because also creativity decks, they just lose to Blue White horribly. That's probably the reason why they were not there. And at least game one, I don't know about the cyborg, but like. You know, it's not easy to play with uh, creativity against Blue White. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe Blue White is just a super good deck to be playing now. What's the reason to play with Yorian that wasn't true before? Because I remember uh, mostly it was Blue White 60 cards, like Nasif, uh, Top 8, Top 16, the RC and Sofia, or things like that. It used always 16 card, 60 cards. Uh, I don't know. I never... Like I never liked the Yorian more than the other one. I felt the Yorian one was worse, but 
Yeah, I mean, it's only Omen of the Sea, right? That literally gets like. I, yeah. Jo I think the reason is this one is better against Black Red. So, yeah, that's like Jordan yeah, is actually exactly a card better against, against Black, Black Red and nothing else. Yeah. But it is yeah. pretty good against Black Red. Like, one more card than the card being a 4 or 5 flying against Black Red is, you know. Yeah, I was thinking I was thinking about the same, but I don't know. Rakdos doesn't show up in any of. Uh, there's no. Uh, I guess it was one at the PT in top eight. There's zero in this top eight. I guess in the energy, won the energy. So like, there's definitely some Rakdos, but it's just maybe way less than than used to be at the beginning. It also has to be good in the mirror match, right? Like Jordan version has to be ahead in the mirror match, even if yeah. it's more about having more threats because you have more threats because you play Jordan. Like in terms of like, because this this mm -hmm. is a classic matchup where there are more answers and threats almost. So having more threats um, probably matters, even though I don't know if um, Jordan counts as a threat. I, I guess it well, does. It's a matchup where Omen of the Sea is sick. So you have Omen of the Sea in your deck and it's, you know... Yeah, also that. Mirror, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm not a... Uh, I'm not a blue-white control specialist, but I, ha I tend to have this logic that if a card is banned in an older format, then it's probably a good card. Well, but this card is banned just because it's like logistically annoying. Like I don't think it was never banned banned on uh, parallel purpose. It was banned because it was, it was one was going to time with so the Jordan important. I mean, I, I think it's kind of clear they did not ban it on on power. Actually, I have another. I have another reason why it's banned, but Anthony doesn't like it, so we will. Well, just well, let's pretend Anthony's not here. We we can vote. We can vote if we let Mango say the reason or not. Shall we? Okay, I vote no. I vote yes. I want to hear it. Okay, okay. 3v1. Yeah, GG. Okay, Anthony, cl close your ears, but I think that the reason why Yuri was banned is because the price of the modern decks were too expensive and Wizards didn't want decks to be so expensive in modern. Oh yeah, that's definitely the biggest concern. Not making sure that modern isn't too expensive for people to play. That's Yeah, that definitely makes a lot of sense. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. Uh, other than that, I mean, there's, if I it was if I wanted to pick blue control, I will have to choose to still like, you know, you play uh, Tumper Lockdown or you don't. You play Leyland Binding or you don't. It's this is still a lot of chases. I kind of want to try blue control now though. What what about the deck that that plays Neoform? Uh, it plays a card that when it got printed, everybody went crazy about it. I think it would be played in every format. That was founding the third path. No decks picked up this card, but uh, this Neoform Pioneer deck does. So, yeah, this card is super powerful if, if you read it for the first time. And then, you know, I guess. Were people excited about it, that card? I love that card. I, mean, I, don't remember, yeah. I don't remember being excited. I mean, maybe you were excited. So, uh, so many Legacy players were excited about this card. Really? It's, yeah, like, okay. the things that this card can do, it's, it's great. It could flashback and just to recall. I can see that. That's I mean, that's also powerful. you can flashback uh, the the thing. What's it called? Expressive iteration and, and not so on. Not, not anymore. <laughs> no, not anymore. That's or, true. Or see the truth. <laughs> or see the oh, truth. Yeah, yeah. No, that one. See the truth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do they at least see the truth in this list? I no, don't they think don't. so. But okay. they could. No, yeah. You have strategic planning to fill the graveyard as well as other worldly gaze and consider. Yeah, it's, yes, it's strange is... to me that this deck only plays to consider. Isn't consider like a multi-format superstar as make disappear? Like only two is kind of strange. 
Not sure. Yeah, every time I think of multi-format superstar, I always think of Made Disappear. I don't know why. Like someone, Anthony said it once. And I think just... I said it. Was, I don't know. I thought it was funny because it just looks like such a random card. It yeah, but it's, playing multiple it's with me forever. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, make disappear away also staple in every single blue white control deck. They all play make disappear, so it yeah. is truly a multi multi format superstar. Um, I assume it wow, considers that just that they decided to have some number of slots for one drops, like one mana spells, um, and like otherworldly gazes are more important one. I guess like I'm not sure that makes sense. Like two consider is just such a bizarre number in general, but I have to assume it's something like that because. They're probably quite taxed in terms of their slots, right? Like, they have to play... So many, so many of the slots are, like, locked. Um, for the deck yeah, but you're playing Neo Form, right? So it's a card that digs pretty, pretty well. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's strange. I am surprised that they're playing, like, four planning and two consider. I understand planning feels yeah. like you better, but, like, also cuts two mana. Uh, yeah. yeah. That, that's the only thing that strikes to me as, you know most likely not right on a on a perfect world you know where uh, yeah that's that's the only thing uh, i can say about how i feel this egg is built also check also man sorry I was, I was about to say Chiganta is extremely powerful in that deck like one of the players was streaming their tournament and oh, wow. was, i was watching their rounds in between in between my rounds and they would like so often just cast Chiganta and then hard cast atraxa Ooh, that's sick yeah that's pretty Actually, good the secret ability of gigantha wow <laughs> yeah also this deck removal you don't want removal so you know creature like yeah you don't want that much removal do you yeah i did no, see a game the Chris, where Chris has just no, by like jamming I, I, like <laughs> like these crappy hooting mandrills and gigantha like <laughs> uh respect the mandrills they're good the they will call the cans thermogoyf back in the day yeah that's a legacy all-star hooting mandrills it's a legacy Playable card, also multi-format superstar right now. Yeah. So, and uh, one more thing, mana base wise, is that both first and place and second place deck played a full play set of mana confluence. I was, I was uh, checking today the, the the bright spike of cards and I saw mana confluence and I was wondering why, but I guess I found my answer now. Mana confluence. Uh, yeah, the finals were eight. Eight mana confluence. Eight mana confluence. That's, That's a lot of mana. A lot of damage was being taken uh, Anthony, for casting did, spells. Did uh, did Grace and Abzan decks play four mana confluence even in the past, or is just uh, not always? New... But I mean, the very early iterations of Abzan Grease Fang were just built horrendously. Like Thoughtseize wasn't even stock to begin with. So until Jan Moritz Merkel like won a challenge with it. That's how far behind. <laughs> the track uh, it was uh, to begin with but at some point mana Con i think mana confluence was not fully stocked like even by the time we were testing for the pt not every list had four mana confluence in it um i have to assume it's stocked now because it is very good um yeah and also Razorbridge ticket the new um uh, selesnia uh untapped land so obviously mana base now it's much better than we started with I mean, there are these two mana bases, two versions of it. There's the Tangrams 1 and the Rushi 0, 0, 1. Those are the two versions that are mostly online. Okay. Uh, okay. They are built as slightly different. Rushi is uh, the displayer that's been playing the deck forever, whatever we said last week. Uh, the Silence 1, so the mana base, they always play like Takenuma and Okay. And which more, like, the deck has more disruption or whatever. And then there's the Tangrams 1, which is the one with the mat and the four mana confluences. Which is, I mean, it's, they're kind of split. It's not like everyone everyone's playing Rushes or everyone's playing Tangrams. There, there's a lot of um, discrepancy, but they often play one or the other. Uh, 
I guess going forward, the one is better than the mirror. It's maybe a good idea. Who knows? But it's yeah. Um, I mean, the deck is pretty color intensive. Um, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I wonder if there's a middle ground because definitely the, the Tangrams one has a, a very good mana requirements. Like obviously, formula confluences make it, make it so like you clearly have enough white, green, and black. But the other one has zero mana confluences and Takanuma and Boseju, which are like the opposite of triple land. They're just more basics. Yeah. So one is very rich in um, color requirements and one is very short and these both seem to be very functional. So my common sense kind of tells me there must be a ground in the middle ground where you add some more consistency points, but not to the point. Like you can probably feel like one or two spell lands if a deck that has like literally like, you know, four less triple lands and two more basics still functions quite well. So that's there's probably like a middle ground there. Yeah, I mean like the first mana confluence they... is the cheapest one, right? So Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah, the first like if you put Rush's deck and you add one or two mana confluences, you're likely just adding a lot of the consistency points Tangrams are is getting. But also there's this mud. Mud is good with mana confluence. So if you don't play mana confluence, mud is way worse. And mud is very good with traverse. There's more going into it. Like I think both decks are built in a very cohesive way. But you know, at this point, it feels like Tangram's one is way more functional because mod and stability issues are less important there because he has a lot of more functionality. But if the metagame is a combo fest, well, the one with silence main deck is probably better positioned in that regard. So it's um, yeah, we can do that with mana. It's not like you like it's not them. exactly like that because they're playing these cards over the mods. Like mods are the ones that actually go go with the confluences. So it, it's tricky. Like, I, th- I think there there might be a middle ground going forward if combat decks are more uh, are more important pioneer because they were not that important like three months ago, right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean I don't know. I, I, I'm kind of looking forward to see where this goes from here. I will have to shout out mana confluence for two reasons. First of all, if you have seen the secret lair mana confluence, it's super sweet. It's like six marshmallows sitting around <laughs> an ice cube. <laughs> six, six, not five. Are you sure it's six? I think it's six. Yes, and yeah, and then I mean the, the art is like sweet. I love that monogon friends. And then why do you have six? I don't know. What do you think? Carl? They're like different colors, rainbow. I don't know. Yeah, I think I know the one you're talking about. What was the other thing you were saying? That was the that. Oh, in the finals, like because I had the monogon friends, uh, it won me the won me the game one in finals. Like my opponent put a Traxa in play, and I needed to have red mana to. Flashback the scrapwork mod and discard Parhelion to attack for Lita. Exactly. Nice. Yeah, no, that, that's yeah. a very important part. Right? That, that, that's yeah. why I say mod goes with confluence. Like, if you don't play confluence, you cannot play mod. And mod is very good in your deck. Like, it, it is extremely good in the in the whole shell. Yeah, that, that so was it's... a really impressive card, actually. That was a new card, actually. That, well, new-ish, I suppose. Um, Probably the biggest, actual, like, the biggest yeah. uh, difference here. Uh, I think it does. I mean, I remember in testing, like, the card was impressive, and it's just a good card in the shell. It's like a, a Rafine format with flashback. It's smaller, but it has flashback, so it's... <laughs> yeah, it has haste That's also. Like, it, it adds up, the yeah. damage adds up. Yeah. Carl is right. It, there, are, there are six, like, marshmallow things. Why six? This thing makes... Five different colors of mana, and they put six. Oh my! Oh, is- I don't know. It's like imagine you get you're an artist, and you get you know ask for a, a card picture, and they say like, yeah, just put six things, marshmallows or whatever, in it. and then you realize like this is for a, a land that gives five colors, but you but have they're very six clear things. about that. The art director like tells them 
you know, all the stuff, I imagine. So, I, I don't mm-hmm. really know what's yeah. the lore behind this. Like, what, what is the secret yeah, lore drop about? Like, it, there's there has to be some reason, at least probably some, some anime or cartoon, or I don't know. Yeah, oh, maybe it's about something that doesn't have to do with magic. Yeah, that's that what I'm getting case. Uh, Yeah. I could see yeah, that. Yeah, that's... I mean, that's an easy answer, but that's probably the one that's the the right one. Because a lot of these five-man alliances, they always have, like, these five whatever, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Oh, it was it was part of the Pride secret layer, so they're rainbow colors. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. All right, now we, okay. we learned something. Is in, a, is in a rainbow? What's that? How many colors are in I the rainbow? I think it's seven, but maybe there's like one more color in this art somewhere that I that I'm not understanding or something. I th- okay. Rainbows are, I don't know. I'm I, I'm I'm crippled okay. by magic because now I think of rainbows as five colors. You know, because you say like rainbow land or whatever. So, yeah, all the colors are five. Yeah, yeah. That's. Yeah. I don't think we can undo this. Magic players, we there, there's five colors. <laughs> I'm colorless, also. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, I mean that's a lot of recent talk, but I think this is a very deep thing. Um, you know, like I agree with the conf- like confluence is like the thing is you see confluence and you're like yeah, so many games I'm gonna die to them, but the it actually makes the deck way more consistent, and that's um, because by adding this like extra color, and that's a very uncommon situation. Like usually when you have these like semi splash cards, they give power in exchange of uh, consistency, but this time we're giving up life in exchange of consistency. That's why I think the deck works so much better. Like, I think the deck is just more functional. If you look at this top eight, the mana confluence is not punishing at all because there is four combo decks, or I guess five combo decks and three control decks. Zero. Like, zero. Even if you go to top 16, it's like there's two two sacrifice and two midrange. It's still four of 16. You know, assuming we can't rack those midrange and sacrifice, I think they do. I think they, they both punish lives quite well. Yes, yeah. But still, like, it's 4 of 16. Like, you're playing against creativity, life, life just doesn't matter, you know? And if you're going to, you're going to less because of that. And yeah, I mean, you, you're you're right. Maybe just mana confluence is good because of the lack of uh, aggressive decks. Decks that punish the mana confluence, like, is it Phoenix? There's no more. It used to be one of the best decks in the format. Even Mono White Aggro, you know, that's a deck Mono that actually yeah, punish your life. Yeah. But if you there's like if you open with Mana Confluence into Thatsis and you play against Blue White Control, it doesn't matter. Like it's fine. You know, you, you, you're not like losing or anything because of that. Yep. Yeah. That's a that's a great reason. Uh, I guess uh, similarly to why in modern as well, the Fetchland, Shockland decks uh, do well in the meta games where you know there's less burn prowess and etc. and less zoo and things like that. Yeah, we'll see. It's. Uh, I mean, of you know, course, it's less zoo. Some people have been deliberately keeping it out of their power rankings. <laughs> oh, it's coming back. It's coming back uh, soon. It's coming. It's coming back. The the zoo. The zoo fans uh, will cherish again. Let's go. We will. Yeah, I mean, probably. I think I think the deck is good enough to for top fifteen. Fifteen. I mean, it's not that bad. So many. Like, there must be something you can cut from the top fifteen. It just seems. All right. So yeah. there's so many decks in the uh, top fifteen, but guess what? The finals of the modern showcase challenge was Demir Mill versus Mono Greentron. <laughs> Are those two decks in your top fifteen? Oh, well, I recently put Mill in the 15th place, but Tron was not there. Do, do you think you had well, influence oh. on, on this showcase? Because you added it to the top 15, they, they found the deck? No, I don't think so. No, because the, the winner, Tibalt of the Subred, only plays Mill for the past, I don't know, 
10 years forever probably. yeah like you, yeah. It, 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 it's like when you get paired against this player you know it's meal like you know it you don't have to you know do any searching or whatever you know they play meal like you don't even bother searching <laughs> And they play Mill with the most crazy cars. Like they won with Echo and Truth in the main deck. Like what? Another multi-format superstar. <laughs> and it's just it's just so strange. Billful mastery. I don't know. I feel like Billful mastery. Definitely... How well, sick is that card? It mills them for a card. Perfect. Yeah. I know. You also have Mikokoro. You know that today I streamed with this deck, and three times my opponent won with zero cards in the deck. Three times. Well, that's because you didn't cast the Billful mastery. Yeah. Is it, did, did that make you feel bad, Mango? Is it like when you play Mono Red and then you lose a game with your opponent on one, and then you have to second guess literally every decision you made the whole game because maybe you missed one? You know? No, because you sometimes you just over mill, they end up on zero, and uh, they kill you in upkeep. That's usually how they, it always went. Uh, yeah. It's always a lethal burn. Well, maybe that's why if Master is there, instant speed in response, and yeah, yeah. throw a card. For sure. Although sometimes the mana is not there to do it, but yeah. Uh, it's yeah a, I mean, also Mikokoro, same reason, I guess. I guess. I mean, not. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I never played this deck, but I. I, I think every time it's playable, people play Emrakul's in the cyber for three weeks, and that's that's cycle of life for me. I think because it's so easy to to beat this deck once you have cyborg, but also so hard to beat it without it sometimes with some decks at least like I assume the Tron matchup is like a buy for this deck for example not only that you also have Surgical and uh, Extirpate to uh, stop the Tron from yeah happening. and Ghost Quarter Cyborg and Fail of Ruin main deck <laughs> you know I mean, yeah. I'm not a fan of, of this list I've played Mill sometimes I always had the full playset to Solga Lantern I think that's the best way to beat Emrakul like for example today I lost post uh uh, both post cyber matchups against creativity that had Emrakul, but I think if I had Soga Lantern in play, Emrakul does nothing because you exile the whole graveyard. So, I personally would build the deck differently, but I respect this winner for putting Mill on the map. Yeah, there. I mean, he's a like about that. Like this is like the classic, uh, very specialized player. Like this player has only played Mill for ever, so it's like at some point you have to divert for what I'm doing, what they're doing, but like. Yeah, I would definitely would not say... change a card. If I was going to play this deck in the dark, I would just like copy their deck list. I would not make any change. Even though I agree with you, say, about the Emrakuls or whatever, but like, I would be like, yeah, I'm scared of just like messing this deck up and just want to play the same 75. Like, I don't want to touch their deck. Like, he must he must have played an incredible amount with this deck, right? Like, he's probably played a million games. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, they, they also, if you, if you go back, you can see, like, how they play different cards, different cyborgs, whatever. It's not like they play, like, the same 75 for all their life. Uh, They're yeah, just changing games. cards. Yeah, I agree with you, Anthony. Definitely, they have played a million. million, oh million. God. I, I don't know if you guys are doing this on purpose. Let's talk about Tron, shall we? Javier, this is your most favorite deck, is that true? I'm still recovering from Anthony's bad punt. Sorry. Okay, I'm, I'm done. Uh, yeah, okay. I mean, I like Tron. Yeah, I don't know why I like. It. Yeah, it's a cool deck. It's always there. Like this, I always make this joke about like you know how we select this premier events and there's always like randomly one Tron there. That at this point, I'm just kind of wondering like maybe the deck is like actually good. Like maybe it has like a decent win rate after all because it's not the first time we analyze one of the mocks, showcase or whatever, and there's a Tron there. 
right guys yeah I mean, yeah last time yeah. was won by a, a yeah. grassy tron yeah last, there's last always month. a random tron deck there so every time we see the and they'll they're not very represented like you play leagues and tournaments or whatever and you never run into tron but there's still one in the top eight so maybe the deck is just secretly broken or something ah, yeah. I, I tested for the last mocks and we tested the, like we were trying all the stock decks and at certain point we were like extremely like confused what to play because everything was losing to the Eldrazi Drum deck that we knew is going to be like one person in the tournament. So until we found the Sue deck, like it was very scary. Like at there was a moment where I thought maybe we were just supposed to play this Etron deck. Like it's really good. I think I think Chalice of the Void is just <laughs> Yeah, I think Chalice of the Void is very good. I don't know about the green drone deck. I, I'm not a fan of that, but I think the Etron deck is actually like a legit real deck in the format. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're good in different metagames, I think. Like, Etron is good when Murtite is good. Like, you know, Manga Skate's decks are good because Chalice of the Void. Yeah. But, uh, like, the other way around, like, if you play Elementals against Tron, you're just, you're just doomed. Yeah, like, it's You're over. just not beating this. <laughs> like, if you're playing attrition decks like those and you play against Tron, you just die. Like, Well, I think, so, I mean, so, I, st you know. I still don't like grouping them that much because they're, like, good in different spots, like, you know, like Tron is very much like a big mana deck preying on specific things, and Eldrazi Tron is basically Chalice of the Void and 56 Subway Rewards cards. Like, I don't know, like, I, I think... I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't really like grouping Eldrazi Tron and Tron. Because I think they're... No, they're different. different. Yeah, they're yeah. definitely... They're totally different. Yeah, I think they're they are like they are good in opposite metagames. Like, I don't think there is a metagame where they're both good. Yeah, exactly. Because they, they they have the opposite uh, weaknesses. Of course, there's still Tron decks, whatever, that will put them quite high in the lock deck department, I think. I mean, that's Mango department, but I would say Tron, Green Tron is probably higher in the lock deck department. I don't know with this, Mango. Uh, speaking, no. of, speaking of Tron and, uh, and about lock deck, so today I had a league with Tron, and I think that uh, this keeps on happening every time I play Tron on stream. I tend to keep bad hands as in you know those hands that i don't know lead on forest or just maybe have like a tron maybe on turn four with ancient steering things like that and i think that the general consensus wants you to mulligan those hands whereas i think that uh tron should tend to keep those more often and um yeah i mean i think i think it's definitely a point of um, disagreement that i have uh, with many tron players that i tend to keep bad hands uh, way more often than other Tron player. So, uh, I want to ask you, because both Anthony and Navier, maybe also Carly played Green Tron, like, what's your stance on, like, you know, just mulliganing every hand that doesn't have Tron guaranteed on, not guaranteed, but, like, Tron on turn three, something like that? I think I think it's actually very different to how it used to be. So, uh, because of the way that, the reasons that you would play Tron now, assuming that you're not just, you know, a Tron simp or whatever that's going to play it in every single tournament, no matter what. Like, assuming that you've decided it for a reason. Um which is metagame positioning. I think in the past, like, Tron was, like, a relatively fast deck, but you actually needed to mulligan to a fast hand to keep up with other modern decks. But nowadays, I think Tron is just a slower deck. Like, even if you always had turn 3 Tron, then whatever you do on turn 3 is not necessarily better than what they would do, especially if you're on the draw. So I think you would only play Tron if the metagame is set up in a way that is slow enough that those slower hands with Tron are actually good. So I think that if you can't keep those hands that you're keeping, that you probably shouldn't have played Tron in the tournament anyway. You know, because I think Tron, you, like it, it, like Tron, the way Tron fits into the metagame is different now. So the way you should play the deck should also be different. If that makes sense. 
Carl? I, I haven't played Green Tron in many, many years. I remember I top one one BTQ like, I don't know, maybe five, six years ago. But about the e-tron deck, I think the, the new card, there's like this uncommon tablet that looks at top five with a land in hand. That that card makes the deck right very... Yeah. yeah, it makes the deck so consistent as well. And But in that deck, you can also just keep way more hands because you have the Eldrazi temples and things like that. I also, I do, like, my feeling is that you shoot Mulligan pretty aggressively, though, because of the new Mulligan rule. But I don't know. Mm. Yeah, so today, uh, have your idea of something to say about this? Yeah, I mean, I want, uh, I can if you want to, yeah. I want go, go, to. go ahead, um, of course I want to. So yeah. for me, I mean, I've, I've actually played Tron for a lot uh, of tournaments or whatever. Uh, I think Tron was actually always secretly somewhat of a control deck. Like, often, you need your thing to be good against the thing. Like, it's not a 2023 thing. Like, before, if you were going to draw and your card didn't match their cards, that will not that will, that will not be good enough. So I think the <clears throat> this thing is, like, it's very matchup-dependent uh, for to start with, uh, and also, like, very play-and-draw-dependent. Usually, um, I think a lot of the cards thrown play actually better if they are, like, answering their thing, or, or it doesn't, they don't care. Like, you don't care if they have the thing or not. Like, if you play... A Runkle engine against an aggro deck, it doesn't matter if it's like sooner or later, right? Like you want to play it. Um, I think the the hands that are bad are those that are actually like halfway. Like you're a control deck that need that needs strong to function, but if you have something that that accomplish something in the game and you have like this like turn four warranty tron like turn four warranty you know whatever this these hands tend to be good and they're also often one draw away of becoming like super good hands. But those hands that are like, you know, like two pieces and some cards, those are not good. Even if they have like a lot of cantrips or whatever, they're they're just like, you, you need too much to get there. So for me, you can keep these low hands as, as long as it has like this like uh, consistency thing. Like you want to have this, this thing. I, even like, you know, these hands were like full Tron or whatever, not too much. That, that's fine, I think. I think the deck is like consistent enough on that level that... You can just keep those hands, but also just mulligan those in the middle. Yeah. So I think you can keep... Uh, I think the traditional Tron range is usually a little bit too too tight. Like, they mulligan a little bit too much. That's my impression. So today, for example, I had a league. Um, you know, it went well. I went 5 although I mostly played against... Uh, um, I played against two Merktide, and I 2 owed both of them. And both of the times, I lead with Forest Ancient Spearings, which is, you know, obviously not what you want to do, but I had uh, Sylvan's Crying, I had Expedition Map, so I was... Uh, and also, you know how, like, sometimes you mulligan to five, you have your path to Tron, but your opponent just spell pierces or counterspell your spell, and you don't get to Tron anyway. So I just like to have my hand with, you know, a Dwarping Whale and things like that, and I was just happy to keep my seven. And overall, I think that they were good choice of mulligan, and this is not, um, you know, notoriously what Tron players used to do. If you you would tend to maybe mulligan those hands. So this is what I wanted to share with uh, with you and you, with the listeners. How did your league yeah, go? Also, the cards like Gigantha leave you. So go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was just curious, how, how did you do with the tech mango in the league? Yeah, again, I I, I went 5-0, I beat two Merktide, I beat two Marinas, uh 2-0. I think, uh, I don't know, I guess I never really had those like busted draws. I think I only had one natural Tron. Most of the time it was just just like this low uh, machine that uh, has uh, 
uh, just gets there. I beat a deck with like a field of ruin and some recursion. I don't know. I felt like it was a good deck. I was very surprised. I mean, obviously, I drew well because otherwise you don't. Uh, you don't do like this small results in this five matches league, but um, I liked it. <laughs> the luck deck, you know, looks good when they, they it works, but when you don't, you don't play magic. That's that's a lot. You will you play one more league and you will see. Uh, I was course, just thinking, yeah, yeah no, I was that's just why you can't play so. any more leagues. He has to, you know, you got to quit while you're ahead. Yeah. yeah. So since this game leveler in Gigantha, like these two cards actually make it so the Tron deck floats a little bit less. Which was a concern before, once they banned the Ayafogin thing, whatever, you know, like sometimes Tron didn't have enough threats, and I think those threats are, are, are relevant in this deck. Again, Gigantha just keeps being relevant. Like, in, it's good in your form, good here. It's just a good card in many decks like this. Yes, Cityscape Leveler dodging counter spell against Murktide is huge. Yep, really absolutely. Is. Yeah, it kills two Murktides. That, that's a lot of killing <laughs> without, yeah. like, through counter spells. <laughs> Yeah, I would say that uh, Tron is uh, a reasonable deck, probably will be featuring in the top 15 uh, that I'll be making the next days uh, of my of my modern league. Although what, now it looks what tight. What are you going to knock because... off if you have to fit in Zoo and you have to fit in Tron? I know, <clears throat> yeah. I know. And, and, and Mill, I can't burn. cut Mill. I can't, I can't cut Mill after it. I mean, I have to find, I have to find something to cut off. I mean... Not Merfolk, right? Not no, Merfolk. Merfolk. I, I, I already cut it a few months no. ago. Yeah, obviously. It's yeah. time to change it. Yeah. Change it to top 20. No, <laughs> no, I mean, I know. I actually asked Reed about it because I was like, there's so many decks. I want to do top 20. But maybe I can cut Blue Eye Control. What do you guys think about that? Yes. Um, yeah, that, that, ma yes. that makes the meta game better if you, if you got Blue White. Exactly. It makes playing modern more fun. Like, the games go faster. Yeah, less people go to time. <laughs> you have less waiting between routes and Magic Online. It's just upsides. Yeah. No, but like it's just dropping from top fifteen. Everyone that owns a modern blue-white control deck will keep on playing. To no, I, I, my 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 impression is that everybody just plays what Mango says. No, no I have heard man. that. I have heard that. Yeah, exactly, Mango. Do it for the people. <laughs> The people. Okay, so there was also a, um, I guess we haven't mentioned it yet, but the energy series that happened in, I believe in Chicago, had uh, a lot of players, both from Pioneer and Modern, and both of them were won by the same person, which is amazing. Uh, congratulations, Steven Dykeman, for this like huge achievement. Like, back-to-back -back win is, wow. That's not a common occurrence. Like, it does not happen easily. So yeah, congrats. Yeah, that is yeah, amazing. Yeah. yeah, they got the job done in Pioneer with Shota's list of Rakdos, and they uh, also won in Modern with Team Arinus featuring three copies of Fable of the Mirror Breaker, just what we talked about in the last episode, right? I yeah. still feel it's a strange number of Fables. Three Fable, one Merkdar Regent. That was the four flex slots, which is... Uh, much different than the list that instead Oliver Tomaiko uh, top eighted with. There's three team Rhinos in this top eight, and he had a crazy amount of mystical dispute. Three of them in the main deck. I am so impressed he by. Said he wanted a fourth. <laughs> I am so impressed by Merc that Regent in those decks. Like, whenever I used to play Rhinos or play against Rhinos, I would always think that okay, like a sideboard engineered explosives just destroys the deck. But now they have a threat that, like, you don't really, like, you need to sideboard your deck in a different way to play against this version and and i think that's very impressive for the for the rhinos deck so i, I have really high hopes for the for rhinos going forward in modern 
Yeah. Like, I think the original ragged, like the original power behind the blue red um Murktide decks was that you could like fork your answers between one drops and Murktide, but forking them between Murktide and Rhinos is even harder, I think. That's uh that's where my Murktide really excels, I think. So it's interesting they found that shell. Or it. It's a very good idea. And uh, yeah, the rest of the top eight of the energy event is pretty, pretty diverse. I would say the classic best decks in the format featuring with a couple of creativity, a couple of Murktide, uh, yeah. No Tron this office. time somehow. Yeah, no Tron in paper. And also Hammer has not been going through a very good time. I'm, I played yeah, Hammer. I went to play some tournament this weekend with Hammer. And yeah, I can see why it's not doing very well. Like I faced like Wear and Tears, Force of Vigors, and you know, like uh, all my opponents had a lot of hate cards for this deck that is not played as much. And I just felt like, like this is a position where I would rather play Footfalls over the Hammer just until there's a lot of hate for the Cascade and not for Hammer. Yeah, you know, I, I was considering uh, knocking Hammer down to the top five for the first time ever since MH1. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I think the main, like, I used to be a Hammer player for a long time, but I, I just haven't wanted to play it because I just feel the metagame is so bad for it. My, my pet deck right now is Sue, but I'm also... Like, I don't want to hold you accountable. Like, you don't have to put it in the top <laughs> thing. I, I, I think Sue was yeah. great for a moment. Like, like Sue is really good if... If the best decks are the blue red decks, Murktide, uh, uh, you know, Creativity and and Breach, but I feel like there's like a resurgence of of Solitude decks and uh, like you know Elementals and decks like that, and and it makes a deck just it's it's more difficult to play against uh, like this kind of decks. I would say that overall there was a resurgence of Elementals, uh, but to me it was kind of like. Um, how do you say, like, there wasn't really an explanation, just that people played more Elementals. I personally don't think that the Elementals deck is that good ever since they banned Yorian. It was, it saw a research, it saw a, like, a lot more players, so I had to adapt my Merc at least to Elementals. Uh, but I think that now Creativity is so much more popular than it was before, also because, you know, such a great matchup against Elementals and just more good matchups in the room. But overall, it just, you know, not a big fan of the Elementals in the meta game and still played, but I, yeah, I just don't like I, it. I, I talked with Stefan, uh, Mental Mistep, who got fourth place in the in the showcase in Modern, and he he chose Elementals just because of the the, the meta game that he predicted for the tournament. And, I mean, it, it paid off for him. He got top four, so... Nice. Yeah, the yeah. deck is just decent. It's good against Rhinos, right? Also, so yeah, it's decent. Um, How many cards did he play? Uh, he played sixty cards. Yes. Sixty cards. Okay. I feel like yeah. I don't know. Elementals has kind of always been a meta game deck. I think even when it first came out, it was like specifically good against Merktide and Hammer, and then not that good elsewhere. But uh, and I don't think that ever changed. As soon as the meta game like shifted away from that, I think Elementals fell off even before they banned Yorion. Um, it was just that after they banned Yorin, it was, you know, even harder for the deck. But I think it always has been a deck that you pick when you expect a certain metagame. Um, and yeah, like you said, the shift towards decks like Creativity have meant there's a lack of reason to play Elementals. Elish Norn is a really cute new addition, oh, though. Geez, yeah. <laughs> yeah, also this version seems to be, like, way more streamlined. Like, this is this is not Elam's call plus a lot of, like... 
Yeah. We, it's just like 24 lands and just like busted cards. It's just like Fable, Binding, Run and Six, Teferi, Prismatic Ending, Omnath, Quadal, Solitude, Delos Norn, Fury. That's it. Like there's no, you know, a bunch of one-offs or whatever. I think this deck is more straightforward now and it looks better than the old ones in terms of like how it's, it is built. To me at least. I mean, having having a Dumber Call just makes you like it's so nice. For example, today I was playing Mill against Elementals and I lost because they always had both games out I'm recall for Endurance and they had a uh, Cavern of Souls to name Elementals. And you know, I, No, of I course it's cool. Game. No, no, it's cool. It, it's cool. Like it, it's it gives you like a lot of options or whatever, but it also it's a card you draw when you're in the draw against Mortet, you know. Or oh, against for sure. Yeah, Rhinos. this list with four Ice Fan Quato, it's a nightmare for Merc Die, whereas the normal Elementals list I don't mind playing as much against with my Merc Die list. Exactly. I mean, the pay, the pay is up, the, the the price is obviously like you lose flexibility against decks like Amulet, for example, or whatever. But if you spec those yeah. decks, you probably will not play Elementals. Like yeah. Elemental, as Anthony said, like it's just like a meta game deck. You play, you want yeah, to play against one. That's a very good point. Yeah, but I think this version, I think I like this version a lot. It's just like it tries to accomplish one thing, and it accomplish accomplishes it very well. I think. Yeah. Yeah. A, one other thing that I believe happened in this mock showcase. Was there was a lot of Yogmoth, if I'm not mistaken. I've seen the the ter- the, the thirty two decks, and there was a lot of Yogmoths. Yeah. For it's... example, yeah, our listeners, uh, sorry, one of our patron Talisker was sharing his like uh, thoughts process in the Discord and and how he played uh, Yogmoth. I believe he didn't make it at four and two, but uh, one more player made it. Uh, overall, like I would say, Yogmoth is another deck that doesn't want to face uh, Elish Norn and the Elementals deck. Yeah, English Norn just apparently is just a good card. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. It's just so strange. You look at it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, one one suggestion. Uh, I know this might sound uh, stupid to uh, to some people, but if you play Creativity, uh, English Norn shuts off your Archon, and the way to beat it is you you make Creativity one more than than X. Sorry, X one more, and you target Dealish Norn as well, so you can dodge Dealish Norn. Oh, it's like beating Grafdigger's Cage or whatever, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Same thing. Uh, yeah, what yeah, does yeah. it do if you. Wait, wait, wait. Grafdigger's Cage doesn't stop creativity, right? The creatures got exiled, isn't, doesn't it? What? No, the idea the is to exi- destroy the Grafdigger's Cage or destroy the Dealish Norn with the creativity itself. No, but I mean, creativity doesn't put the cards. They exiled it, right? Or. Like, creativity oh. Cage doesn't stop creativity, I think, anyway, even if you don't destroy it. Does it not? That is correct, or not? I don't think so, Avir. I think I think you have to kill. You have to kill creativity. Okay, I mean, I'm just asking. No, no, no. I don't no, know. Don't. I, I just check creativity. It does it does exile the card, huh? Yeah. So Maybe one thing is this, and and I, I want to ask a question though. What if you exile the Elish Norn and you're so unlucky that you flip another Elish Norn? <laughs> Will the Archon triggers? Uh, I believe it doesn't. No, because I read something that. Uh, that's actually a funny thing that uh, the opponent uh, there was a spell sky team play so the player went for sp- uh, creativity x equal two targeting you know two dwarfs and the armor player redirected to its own spell sky and so they flipped a ashbringer the opponent flipped archon and the archon didn't trigger okay so yeah i guess they're coming simultaneously so i recommend yeah, so not is- flipping if you go for the main group professional play <laughs> i recommend not flipping another lavish norn that yeah. will be my input on the the situation <laughs> yeah i remember doing this against tron i was playing creativity and i targeted my opponent's creature and they flipped like two spheres star or whatever and i felt clever 
Ah. Yeah. Neat. Yeah, it's a, a, play, a play that I often do when I play Creativity. There's a lot of versions of Creativity, by the way, now going on. The Sebastian Pozzolist, for example, that made top four, doesn't play Fire Eyes. Uh, he plays a three prismatic ending and two expressive iteration. Something I haven't seen in Creativity yet. Yeah, I don't, I don't really get it. I mean, I get what it will be one iteration, but it's it's strange here. Yeah, more answer to Ragavan, which because is one of the most biggest, one of the easiest way to lose uh, for creativity is to face Ragavan on the draw and don't have ever moves before it. Yeah, they, are, they also probably like ending overall, right? Like they, they they must like it overall, otherwise they will not play it here. But if you play against Yamoth, is ending better than something like Fire and Ice? Maybe. The best, the best use for Fire and Ice is against, for example, Merktide when you tap end of turn the, the land that they have out oh, for yeah, your yeah, yeah. heat or counter spell. Yeah, most notably, when you play Fire Ice in this combo deck, same thing for Rhinos, is you don't upkeep tap the land like you would do in control deck, but you hold it for end of turn so that your opponent ships up their plan, maybe taps one mana for a DRC holding up something else, and then you tap the land end of turn. Oh, Fire Ice is so good. Yeah, it kind of it's slightly different than uh, the the one in blue eye control. Also, another thing uh, different from Sebastian Pozzolist, which is nice, he doesn't play Blood Crypt anymore, but he plays uh, two Black Triumphs. Is this so, for the land mining, right? I assume. Yeah, yeah, you play. You still play the the one the black mana for land binding, but you also play it to Arcast Archon. You used to play one. Triumph and one Blood Crypt. Now instead, it's two Triumphs. So you know, it's those little things that might, you know, it's interesting as a as a player. You want to read into every uh, changes that happens in those. Like when a very good player like Sebastian Pozzo uh, picks up a list and changes something, there must be a reason. Like when Javier cut Urbor from Rakdos, for example. <laughs> that wasn't that complex. Yeah. That's because it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, everybody plays it, so there must be... What about... Uh, they don't know it sucks. It's very simple. Sebastian has <laughs> abundant growth in sideboard. It's a really interesting card to have. Yeah, I'm a big fan of... Uh, thank you for mentioning it. Uh, it I, I, a huge it, fan, I will say. Yeah. Even. Yes. I'm, yes. I'm a huge fan of abundant growth. I pray uh, it's its job, and every time I play Creativity, I think it's one of the best way to beat Bloodman. Also, one strike it reach. So I guess he didn't want to play too many Abundant Growth, right? Because I assume, I assume the card has the same job. Or am I yeah, missing something? I was pretty impressed by Strike It Rich when I played that deck, honestly. I was surprised. But why yeah, is so it on the sideboard? Like, is it against Bad Moon or, or I like... think so. At least that's what I was using it for. Yeah. Maybe I was wrong. Yeah, so I I went to, to play Strike It Rich because there happened sometimes that I my opponent went Blood Moon and I just didn't draw Abundant Growth early, so... I, I had some live draws to top deck if I had Strike It Rage in my deck. But then I practiced um, uh, tens of matches against Scam, and Strike It Rage was not good because my opponent kept having engineered explosives after I played my Strike It Rage. So I like the split here. I think they serve different purposes. Okay, that makes sense. Maybe, yeah. Also, Strike It Rage is for when you want to be fast, maybe against Burn. Oh, yeah, I, th I also bought it in there. Yeah, just for like pure speed. Yeah. Uh, won me a game, I guess, because I was able to make a token more cheaply than they might have expected otherwise. Um, yeah, I'm surprised only one wear tear uh, and no naturals claim anything, so that might be a little bit light. I guess you have the ending main deck for the Umber matchup. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, but there was not too much hammer in the showcase, so it was a good call. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was no hammer in the top 16. Hammer just, like, being hated out, like... Yeah, I played against Creativity in the in the, my local tournament, and they had, like, I don't know, a bunch of water terrors, like four or whatever, you know, like... <laughs> like, like, it's just... Um, it was a good call for Pasta because, yeah, zero copies is not too many. I think... Yeah. I'm a big fan of wear tear. I think every deck of mine that has Boros lands... It's so good. Werther is such a busted card. I mean, is that true, though, if you don't play against Hammer? Like, look at this top 16. Is there any deck you will want Werther against in the whole top oh, 16 in the mocks? Like, Tron? So Werther is it? excellent against any Urza Saga decks. There's a bunch of them. There were, but there were not any no, 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 no. Yeah, in the top sure. 16. Like, it, yeah, it was yeah. one affinity. A, that's it. Like that, that's, yeah, this is a good... A good meta call, I would say, for a winner's meta game. But if you have to approach, I would say, an open field like might be the LMS in Prague, you will definitely face Urza Saga decks. Mm, we'll see, though. Like, if the good decks are Creativity, Rhinos, you know, and Mortaid, th those are decks that do not play yeah. Saga. Uh, but also, yeah, but they you... are good against Saga. Like, Mortaid region yeah, with all water. these Blood Moons, they're good against Saga. Rhinos are good against Saga, also, if you play Blood Moon as well. You know, it's yeah, a yeah, Prismatic yeah. Command, also very good against Saga decks, regardless. Notably, though, Pozzo plays zero copies of Prismatic Command. I forgot to mention that one. Yeah, but I think because he plays the Prismatic Ending there, they are all yeah, Prism Prismatic, Prismatic cards. It's so nice that you can target your treasure with yeah. uh, creativity. No, absolutely. I think that I like the card in the, in the shell, but I mean, if he cut it for ending, he just was very sure he was expecting, yeah. like, yeah, the. I mean, against decks like Shadow. You know, there wasn't the top eight. Prismatic ending is like a super premium card, where Prismatic, Prismatic Command is like medium. So, yeah, shout out uh, to this player, Magic Dan. He always plays Shadow. He has uh, some good results with it. I believe he won the LMS in Paris with it, and has a lot of MTGO uh, results with this deck. Just his pet deck. He's ma is the mas is the Shadow Master. Need to update it again. Uh, would you still play Zoo, Carl, if you had to play a Modern Event this weekend, for example? If I would play Modern this weekend, I, I think I would play play Rhinos with Murktide. And... Uh, you would play... Okay, and, like I just think it's the best deck right now. Um, there's also another interesting tech that one of my friends 5-0'd uh, LCQ with, which is like the Devoted Truth combo. Uh, that's, oh, yeah. Yeah, with Tyver. And, and it's right? really cool that Tyver gives haste to the Devoted Truth so you can combo on the same turn when you when you get the Truth in play. Uh, I think those decks, like, I don't really know how good they are, but I see a lot of potential there to tune. But I, if I would have to play like a tournament this weekend, I don't think I would have a list ready yet. Timur Rhino is always uh, very much represented in the paper events. Um, so yeah, maybe players uh, should play uh, more copies of uh, Merc that Regent in the Rhino's deck. Because it's usually X equal... Uh, uh, sorry, uh, there's always a couple of uh, instants in your graveyard. You have early removal spell, you cascade into footfalls quite commonly. So yeah, it's definitely a card that's underplayed in, in Rhinos. Yeah, also one more thing about these mocks, just like there's only one region in the top 16. Like, you know, also not a very good weekend for Mortad Regent as well. Is it ever? I think we, we could see a world where these just Mortad Rhinos becomes like the best like, or whatever. But we'll see. The best Merktide deck is finally is, is changing. Yeah, we yeah. finally realized it. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, what about we move into the format of the people? Yeah. No, no, not yet. Not not yet. That'll be for the end. No, I mean a standard. 
Oh, oh. those people. Okay. The other people. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those, the other people. All right. Yes. Let's talk about it. There was a couple of regional championship happening in Canada in the city called Otawara uh, Soaring City and uh, in China. I don't know which city it was. I'm going to guess Beijing. Uh, I think maybe it might have been Vancouver. What? No, in Canada. In China, in China. Vancouver, China? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so the tournament in uh, Canada has a legend in the first place. Not the deck as per legends, but Alexander Hain. I'm so glad to read his name because that means I'm going to meet him again in Minneapolis. Yeah. I'm a big Hain fan. He's truly a legend. Yeah. I am also a big fan. Yeah, uh, very yeah, happy. The the literal funniest magic player on the planet, Alexander Hain. So definitely so the funniest you? on Twitter. No, Hain is Hain is Hain is easily the first. I think it's not even close. Like Hain is okay. by far the funniest. And Hain played uh, Esper Legends without uh, wedding announcement in the main deck, just three in the sideboard. Uh, Although the, the winner, I guess we must mention him uh, before moving into decks, it was Philippe uh, Guerreux on mono white mid range. Again. Not mid range. Again? What, what, what do you say again? Also, Didn't... Um, the previous, the, you know, the Canada has two regional championships split into East and West, and uh, the other one was also won by mono white control. So. Is this a Tron effect where we're just saying how the deck is bad, but yet it can it just keeps winning tournaments? But like the this, clearly, well. Mono White is a better deck than Tron, though. Like, yeah, I mean, but it's, it's like you know, we always think like this deck is bad or whatever that still keeps winning again and again. Like it's been there for. Yeah, it's also playing a card I've never read before: Mondrop Glory Dominus in two copies. It well, I thought this was like a commander card. Wedding announcement. Yeah. To make wedding announcement, you make two tokens. Oh no no! It, that, that's then... not the exciting one. It's way better with Brecken oh. and Bankbuster. That's the that's the one that gets you going. So you get two you get... tokens, two treasures. Yeah, two yeah, two treasures, two pilots. <laughs> I mean, Very it's not it's not that common to flip outside. Uh, unle unlike wedding announcement, which is very it's easy. It's not that to hard because you just you just hold your Mondrak until you can do it. Like it. I mean, I assume this is a four four that cannot be destroyed, right? That's yeah, that's what it does that's here. That's a huge thing as well. Ooh, also two Mirex in the mana base. You can make mm -hmm. two. Uh, what are they? Oh, for the poison kill. Mikes. Like, a big part of Mondrak being Mikes. good is that, like, it's actually quite hard for Grixis to deal with. If you make an indestructible card and your deck naturally makes yeah. a pile of tokens anyway, like, how are they going to kill that? It's they really won't. <laughs> that's, that's why this deck wins tournaments after tournament. Yeah. We started adding the commander cards. But they are very. Do you have, they are just yeah. Do you, do you uh, like Mono White? Yeah, I Carl? think Mono White is a cool deck. I, I personally, my, my favorite deck is Grixis. And. I just think it's the best deck. Great deck. And I don't. I. I. I think. Mm -hmm. I don't know why everybody seems to think that Esper is like the better deck. Like I feel like what is happening is that the better players are playing Esper, and then the deck keeps winning more because of that. And it, I can see that. I mean, I think they're very close anyway. So the better yeah, players like, play one that's easily enough to tip. I mean, like, I have a lot to say about Standard in a way because we tested this format so much for the World Championship last year and. And I was like very close to playing Crixis, but in the end, like what pursued me to play Esper was that that I just thought that Esper would be better against like all the random decks people could bring. 
And then it ended up being that 69% of the players pr- protest were, so I wish I would have played Crixis, you know, and it worked <laughs> out for Nathan. I think in the, in the mid-range mirrors, it's pretty clear to me that Crixis is favored, but, but like against like all kinds of random decks, you know, that people can play, I think Esper has an, a larger edge against those decks, and that's why like you should play this deck, maybe. Uh, I think the mono white deck is like a good deck. It, it has good things going for it, but it wouldn't be the deck I would play, especially in paper. Like, I would be so worried about timing out. And I like the people who like win with this deck in tournaments, they must be playing at really fast pace, which is kind of impressive. Yeah, for sure. I think um, I don't remember the stats exactly, but I know Mog um, looked at the win rates for the standard decks in various RCs, very standard decks in various RCs, and he noted that um, Mono White's win rate was artificially depressed because it had so many more draws than other decks. So that's kind of, you know, that's something to really think about because I think a lot of people practice in on Arena and maybe aren't fully cognizant of that switch to paper where this is the one deck that gets penalized the most heavily. Um, what else do we have? So uh, if we look at the uh, Canadian top eight, so we have a couple of uh, mono-white decks. Uh, we have... Uh, a one that we haven't seen before is Jeskai Control Deck, which is that's one that we just would never have guessed um, was going to perform at all. Um, like I don't think Jeskai Control was on anyone's radar, right? Like, have you guys? Well, they won a challenge, I think, one week week before Naples. Like, um, pretty I'm, I'm pretty sure that was Toby and Yeah, it's a different right? build. It's it yeah, doesn't happen. Yeah, but it was also Jeskai Control, so just cars the player like. That's it. Yeah, like, like this deck has. Uh, multi-format all-star secrets of the key you know yeah brother oh, winner that. secrets like, of the key it's very different secrets of the key, <laughs> secrets yeah. of the key. it has to be one of the worst cards to win a pt do, in the do, last do you think it's so. better or worse than healer talk uh, that's a that's tough, tough question i think it's worse in pioneer than hills hawk is in standard that's legit yeah. I think this card is worse than Healer Sock. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. I think it is. Yeah. This what is about just... Judge Familiar? I don't think Judge Familiar is a bad card. Yeah, that's it. Come on, like that was clearly way better than Secrets of the Key. Yeah, I think <laughs> it was a fine card. Like, I'll... it has like a lot of prototypes, right? Judge Familiar. So... Yeah, multiple, multiple prototypes. Yeah, that's you cannot call the card bad if it's a four off in multiple different decks in multiple partners. I think Mango. What do no, we think of the key, you know. might have opened the door for Jeskai Control to reappear? Well, I guess not reappear. I think nothing. I think nothing. the door is not open. I think this, this player just decided to play Control and just just won a lot of matches. Nice. That's that's my impression. But <laughs> they just won the, matches. The actual breakout deck for the Canadian RC was Rakdos Midrange, right? So if you actually yeah. look, there's no Grixis like, anywhere. Like in this entire... Zero Grixis in top 8. Uh, yeah. And Even top, top 16 yeah just no that's just wild that's and, wild and it was the most popular deck which is you know really a resounding failure when you think about it but it is it is, it is shout really out bad. to eduardo um, sachkalik and 13 yeah. by the way they played this raktos midrange deck which is like almost like a yeah. like kind of a burn like deck with uh graveyard trespassers mm-hmm. four of them you know two bloodthirsty adversary and when i started playing standard again uh, if you remember um talking about in the podcast 
uh, it was a time where uh, Grixis was downtrending and Rakdos was uptrending. And I believe the reason was because uh, Blue White Soldiers just came out to be a popular deck. Mm -hmm. So I would say that the reason that players went Rakdos is because they expected more aggro decks. Well, it wasn't only that, it's because basics are actually quite good now. So for example, if, if everyone playing Grixis is trying to get each other with a Razor like Transmogrant, having Transmogrant and also basics is quite strong, I think. And there are some other things as well, like for example, you would note that the previous Canadian RC was won by the Mono White Land Destruction deck with 8 Field of Ruin. So that's like another reason that having a very stable mana base is appealing, I suppose. Um, so there, I mean, I think the Rakdos Midrange deck, is, it's really just about <laughs> the fact that basics are good, right? That you're willing to give up some stuff to be able to play basics. Um, but I think it's yeah, pretty Yeah, top again. Yeah, um, there's some interesting stuff, you know, with like Archfiend of the Dross, which was a card that hadn't really seen any play until now, but is appearing in some of these Rakdos aggro decks as well. Um, I mean, it has to be against Esper, right? Like, I think so, against yeah, Esper, I think flying is massive, yeah. It's a big guy against Esper, they're not killing this. Yeah, it's hard for them I to feel their, like, black removal. I mean, it's like it's just extra shielders, you know, you just play like some giant 4-drop that's hard for them to deal with. Yeah, um, why I wanted to mention this deck is because they uh, had actually, like, the best win rate of, of any archetype in this tournament of the, like, by highly played decks. Yeah. Like, 6% of the field was, was, was Rakdos Midrange, and they had 61.5% yeah. win rate. Yeah, which is why it's sometimes important to like check things that aren't just like if you look at the top eight, it looks like there's one Rakdos midrange, but then you look eighth, ninth, tenth, and eleventh are all playing this Rakdos midrange deck, and you know strong players are like Joseph Karani and uh, Eduardo Sajgalic both playing this Rakdos midrange deck, so like strong players chose to play it, and they did very well, um, very well with it, like much much higher than expected. And I don't know, like having played the Grixis deck, I felt that the blue cards were so important, so. It's a big sacrifice, but you know their results really speak for themselves. I think in this case, mm. um, and there was another deck that people hadn't really expected to come as well, like Pascal Maynard's uh, Green White Enchantments deck. He made the uh, 15th with it, um, and this was a deck that existed like what, I want to say like two sets ago. People were playing. Yeah, it. I think Is it was right? a deck in the, even in the last format. But yeah, yeah, um, it it got a little bit hated like a, out of out of the format, like, I think, because people were playing like a lot yeah. of destroy evils in main deck, and then it was not so easy to play this deck. Yeah, there was also farewell, which is just like, you know, hilariously <laughs> busted against this deck. Um, but it's come back in Maynard's hands, and you, you obviously naturally see this kind of deck online a bunch because it's quite an appealing uh, deck. I think the main appeal of this deck is to prey on Grixis, which Makes me wonder if there's much point going forward if Grixis will decrease in popularity a lot. Maybe it's still strong against the Rakdos versions as well. I could see that. Um, although probably less so since they're more capable of being aggressive. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, cool. it's cool to see there was like um, some new decks popping up in standard still relatively late um, into the format. Um, it's also kind of funny because after seeing these RCs, I think... Do you know which ones are left? Is it just the US? I think the South American ones? one hasn't happened yet. It might be next weekend. Ah, uh, yeah, you're right, yeah. South that, that's my region, well. by the way, shout but, out. Um... Oh, nice. No, I'm going to skip uh, it because the flights are are a bit too expensive, like $600 for me, so I can't really afford it. Oh, yeah. you already qualified, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, but you look like, I'll, I'll, like all different decks have won, like um, the RCs, like three were won by Grixis, so Europe, Australia, New Zealand, and Brazil won by Grixis. The two Canadian ones in China were won by Mono White, 
Japan was won by Toxic. That was one that people definitely didn't expect. It looks like a draft deck, and now it's like a real force in the metagame. Southeast Asia by Five Color Domain, Mexico by Reanimator, Taiwan by Soldiers. Which is actually kind of funny because Esper is sort of, you know, the a lot of people perceive that to be the best deck now and hasn't won one yet, so it's got it's got a couple yeah, of Yeah, Crixis yet, has three yeah, wins and Esper has like, zero wins. I mean, which deck is better? Yeah, scoreboard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. results. Yes, Carl. Uh, we you believe got it right. Absolutely. Yeah. But I don't know, it's not often that you would expect, like, you know, a big round of big tournaments in standard and. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, like six different decks have won. Um, so it's nice to see as well. And they're all very different decks as well. They're not like... Yeah, it seems like they have yeah. done a very good job on that regard, on the balance. I guess the only concern about, like, the only complaint I will have in this format is so many of these decks are actually having trouble getting on time. That's yeah. an issue, I Literally think. But other than that, in terms of balance, this, this format looks like they did a good it's job awesome. in that regard. I've, I've only heard, like, lots of really positive reviews about it. Um, I, I, I know how to fix a time issue. To say about I, I would like to suggest that every tournament that is important, like RC or PT, they should have just 60 minute round timers instead of 50 minute round timers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Axel, so. so we said this in the last podcast. Yeah, like, you know, now we have more technology to make the tournament shorter because there's less dead time with impairings or whatever. Yep, it's good to say it again. I agree with Carl. And that's, those are the tournaments that you don't want. Like, that's where, like, unintentional draws and going to time and so on are a lot more stressful and unpleasant for everybody involved. So yeah, yeah, sixty minute rounds, please. Please, please. I'm still for fifty minutes because I want to go to dinner at some point. So I like fifty <laughs> minutes. Yeah, <laughs> that's democracy again, though. Uh... Yeah. I mean, is the guy who's asking you to like take blue light control off the top fifteen so that tournaments will go faster. So I like that style, though. No, so I, I, I only, yeah. my only yeah. thing is like, testing. Like, I don't actually care about the tournaments. Like when we're actually playing the real tournaments. But when I'm testing modern, like I really, really love it that I can just play like, you know, a league in one hour and I can just jam. Like I remember last time there was a modern brother. I played like 200 matches with my deck or something because I could just jam so fast. You can, yeah. It is kind of funny when someone will jump into like one of our Discord calls and you know we're like we've been playing for two hours and this is uh, yeah. match number three. You know, <laughs> like yeah, it <laughs> is a classic standard one experience. <laughs> One one day, Carl, maybe maybe you already have the, done this, but practicing in paper will make you feel like you're playing so much more games than uh, no. It's just the the motions of paper is so fast, and this is honestly one of my biggest. Uh, uh, one of the reasons why I did well in my RC is that I managed to play so so many games with Calc uh, just because we were able to practice in paper, and I wanna uh, do it again for sure for the Pearl Tour, but also for the. Uh, for the next RC in Athens, which we are already doing again, uh, paper paper testing. So yeah, paper that. testing. That's kind of like cool as too. well, right? Like Athens. Yeah. Is, I don't know. I've just never heard of a tournament there. So that's nice. <laughs> yeah, because of that reason, I have never been there. Oh wow! So, yeah. I've been there in a school trip. So it was my school. <laughs> Must be nice. Must be quite different, probably. Yeah. yeah. Okay, um, do you guys have more anything more to talk about standard? I think it is the time, we, Mango. Can we move to the real format of the people? Alchemy? I don't know. I, I, I love Alchemy. Yeah, yeah, Alchemy is insane. Alchemy cards are you know. awesome. Yeah, yeah we, all, we all do except Mango. I think it's great. But if you, if you hold up an a Alchemy tournament, it will not get 614 people. Yeah, it will get 800. <laughs> Will it though? Okay, in, in paper, in paper, yeah. in, in, no, real paper. Life, in real yeah. life. Oh no, no paper. Sorry, I, 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 well, I couldn't. Oh, you don't know that because no one's tried it. So maybe I, I heard be, about uh, 
uh, a guy on Twitter who who printed this oracle that puts black or, or the power nine into your deck, and they printed it out and Our put it in their yeah. in their vintage cube, and it, it's supposed to be really fun. No, that's awesome. Javier, Javier does that, right? I, I actually, yeah, we we actually said that. Like it was, yeah. I, I saw it in the Portuguese cube, and it was they were great. Like there was yeah. this two, this this car was great. There was like, like two or three cars. The Garden of Angel was also a very good car, very good addition to the cube, and that one was very easy to execute. Yeah, I think that those cars are very good addition to the cube, and I think they probably should add them to the vintage cube. To be fair, oh, yeah. what about initiative? Oh. What about initiative cards? I- um, want them in your I wouldn't the mind them. Like no. my my what opinion you, of the vintage cube is that I feel like it should have all the best, like the best of the best cards, and like, and yeah, I, I have one like thing about it, which is I think the answers like they should also add add better answers. Like I think it's huge that there's a red blast now in the cube, and like why not the blue blast as well, and Veil vale of Summer. Like why are we not playing with Veil vale of Summer? Like it would make exactly. the cube more fun for me. I really about the the power level, you know, put put back time vault for example and stuff like that. For example. Time Vault, and if you if you put Time Vault in your cube, you will have to put some untappers, right? And then now they're printing this the One Ring, which is really cool with untappers. So that would be like a oh. great combination of things to have in the cube, where you can go off with the, with the One Ring, untapping it, throwing like multiple cards without losing life until your next upkeep and stuff like that. Yeah, I did. I, I, I did. I did. <laughs> that reminds me. Uh, speaking of with Alchemy and Lord of the Rings, I kept trying to spread a rumor. That the Lord of the Rings pro show was going to be alchemy. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> so maybe. Why, Anthony? Why? <laughs> Why? Yeah, so I I remember uh, talking about adding Hullbreacher uh, in the cube because there's currently not, and uh, I got a response that it's not. It's not fun for the opponent, which I don't get. At the end of the day, it's a... I mean. Not having fun when you lose, it's not my problem, and I think that uh, there should be. Yeah, I agree. Halbridge is a real tragedy. It's not in the queue, but I mean, it clearly belongs there. I think. Yeah, I think it belongs there also, but it's fine. But anyway, it's time to go back to a topic. Let's talk about the format of the people. Hey, that's popper. Uh, we um, we had an, a huge event happening in northern uh, Italy, Lecco, uh, 614 players. The room was basically a, a basketball court with, uh, you know, like the stadium. But uh, in the middle, instead of the court, we just had tables for, for players. As always, uh, great organization in the Italian events with lots of judges. And yeah, the tournament was super smooth. I didn't play the whole event, but I'm sure because uh, I dropped at four and four with one buy, so it wasn't a great performance. <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, so I I played a I played a Orzov, uh, which was not a great choice for my pairings because it got paired against a lot of combo decks. But overall, uh, I wouldn't mind registering that deck again. The top eight had eight different archetypes. Again, you can check it all on the uh, description of this video or on this podcast. And uh, yeah, two Tron decks in the final. Great event. I look forward to play the next Poppergeddon in uh, uh, in the summer again, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I still want to go to one of these one day. I, it's uh, maybe once I fall off the you know like the most compet- more competitive scene and have more time for travel for tournaments, I will definitely go to there. On or if one is uh, fits a calendar, 
You would you want to come, Anthony? Just to what? leave the proper experience. Would you want to come to one of these tournaments? Um, I don't have a strong opinion on pauper that I would want to say when a lot of people who play pauper are listening. I'm gonna ask Carl. You know what? Maybe ask Carl. I think maybe Carl has. Maybe he's not scared. All right, Carl, say something. Say, well, talk, talk to us. The about thing pauper. about pauper is that, like, like if if I had a psychologist, then they would probably tell me, you know, like, pauper, don't play pauper. It's bad for your mental health. <laughs> Why is that? that? That's just how Popper makes me feel every time I play it. Well, why, why do you like it? You said you yeah. like other Ghostbusters yeah. formats. Popper is the, the thing about Popper is okay, actually like, very good gameplay. The games yeah. are extremely slow and grindy, and it's just I don't know. For me, it's too much. Like I like my favorite constructed format is Vintage, and then Popper is like the literal opposite end of that. So it kind of makes sense. That makes sense. It is. He just loves high power fast games, and like this is the, yeah, the real opposite. Um, yeah, okay. I don't know. Like the way I, I kind of feel a bit similarly. Like I even enjoy like slow grinding. It's like I love standard, but I feel like that's the level of slow and grindy that I like, and it's a certain kind of slow and grindy. Like there's still like some more dynamism in terms of how the games. Like some standard games are fast and some are slow, and you have to navigate that a lot of the time. Whereas Pulper is just always slow, <laughs> at least when I played it. So. Yeah, just I, th- really I think it's a very good. I don't know. I think it's a very good format. Like I don't love it for big tournaments, but I think it's a very good like Friday night Magic tournament format because oh. you go there and you like kind of play the whole thing. Like you not go there and just like play ten minutes and wait for an hour because there's a blue white control player. You know, like you're playing hammer and you're in ten minutes and that's it. Like this popper, yeah. you will all you play more. Like if you're gonna play for an afternoon with friends, I actually think popper is a very good format for that. Like if you have like clock, you know issues or whatever. Also, very a very good format for to play online. For you know, you play like one game before sleeping. This is this could be a good game for you. You know, okay, I think it has I'm some upsides. You 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 you're really not gonna sell me or Carl on a format by saying it's. A no, I, I know, I know. I'm also, I'm talking like because the the reasons why you don't like it makes it appealing for some people as well. Oh sure, I mean you know that's I'm what sure I'm saying. I have different preferences to many people out there. To be fair, yeah, and that's good uh, for them. I have a suggestion. I have a deck suggestion for you if you ever want to play Popper though. Wolves combo. Uh, this is a relatively fast deck with uh, when you go off, it's cool, similarly to maybe Doomsday and Vintage that you like, and uh, it's it's fast and and it top eight at the event. So okay. yeah, Wolves combo. It's my suggestion. I guess there's going to be a Popper showcase season. I don't so. think it's gonna work, Mango. Not, <laughs> yeah, true, not, yeah. not yet though, but we will play all Mono Blue so. It's fine. Mo- Mo- Mono blue Delver, uh, Mono blue fairies, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So the the magic game was super diverse as always, with uh, affinity uh, mono red being the most popular deck, but none of them in the top eight. Affinity being the second most popular one in the top eight, and then Orzhov and Mono blue being the third and fourth most popular, and zero in the top eight. So yeah, classic uh, just format where you know just everybody plays their deck, and yeah, it's cool. I think it's. Uh, it's definitely a format of the people. <laughs> that yeah, is, that is the format of the people. It's not us. <laughs> of other people. It's just not you. Okay. All right. Okay, now it's balanced. Um, I've got, you know, it's 2v2. Do we want to do want to wrap it up? Do you have anything else uh, to share with uh, the listeners? Uh, I want to share. I did not see this Carl answer about Popper coming, but <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> GG. <laughs> okay. All right.
That's it. Okay. Yeah, I also, uh, yeah. I also want to thank everyone that, I mean, a lot of people has written to me about like saying good things about the guide. So thanks a lot for the support. It's not going to be a wiggly thing, but I think we might try to do something like this in the future. I, only if I or we have the feeling that we know the deck deep enough, right? To yeah, do exactly. It. So, we'll do yeah. it when we feel like it's a good time, but not, you know? Exactly. Not something that's going to, there's not going to be like the deck of the week type of content. Oh, it's no. more like, you know, I have a lot of deep knowledge about this deck that I think it's worth yeah. writing or talking about. Yeah. If exactly. we have something to say, yeah, we'll did, say it. Yeah, I did, basically. Yeah, I did, a, I did a smaller one for Channel Fireball where I, you know, wrote my article with the Cyber Guide and also made a video of about 20 minutes talking about Grixis. So, you know, it's definitely something that uh, maybe again uh, we can do in the future. Cool. All right. I also want to thank Scott, thank, you for thank Carl for me. coming from Colombia. It was awesome. We were very pleased to have you. <laughs> yeah, so our democracy, uh, democracy powers were higher thanks to you, so that was also good. Okay. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Again, patreon.com slash carnies if you want to support the stream, as well as join in uh, uh, the, 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 the Patreon Discord, where we talk about every format. And, you, know, you shoot us question, we will be answering them. And uh, yeah, I'll see you next time. Ciao. Bye-bye.